Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I Can Do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. A couple of weeks ago, I did a sermon where we actually began in Matthew chapter 25. And maybe, hopefully, I should say, you remember that sermon and the study that we went through in Matthew chapter 25. I did a sermon called Hell, the sermon that no one wants to hear. And it is often the case, and I appreciate the, the feedback that members gave, gave me about the sermon. And it's a sermon that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Someone mentioned, a friend of mine mentioned, it's something that is unthinkable at times. But it is something that we have to think about because God has revealed it in his word. And we studied from Matthew chapter 25 in verses 41 through 45 where Jesus talked about those on his left. He said, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer in verse 44, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger, or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it, did not do it to one of the least of these, you did it, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment. Hell is a sermon that a lot of people do not want to hear, but it's a sermon that all of us need to hear. And if there is a sermon that everyone wants to hear, what might that be on? You know where I'm going with this, right? It would be on the subject of, of heaven. Heaven is a sermon that everyone wants to hear about. And heaven should be a, a, a topic or a sermon that all of us are interested in hearing and studying about. In fact, when I think about the word heaven, I can't help but get a smile on my face when I say the word heaven and start thinking about heaven. And hopefully it creates that kind of response in you. Now, I know many of us are experiencing challenging times and sicknesses or just being busy. Holiday season is getting closer. But brothers and sisters, it is great value for us to consider and to remember heaven and what the Bible has to say about heaven. In fact, I asked you to read from Matthew chapter 25 because in the same context where Jesus talked about those who will go away into eternal punishment of verse 46, he also said, but the righteous into eternal life. So I want to talk a little bit about heaven this morning. And why is it that this kind of sermon is a sermon that so many people want to hear? Why is it that this kind of sermon is a sermon that all of us should want to hear and be interested in this morning? Let me give you a few thoughts. In fact, my points are going to be the same from two weeks ago. But instead of talking about hell, we're just going to talk about heaven. So let's begin. Listen to what 
Listen to what the Bible is going to have to say about this. This is a kind of sermon that everyone wants to hear because heaven is a real place. We've already seen Jesus mention eternal life here in Matthew 25 and verse number 46. Now, it is often the case that skeptics and people in the world who try to belittle Christianity and try to insult those who follow Jesus, who believe that he is risen from the dead, will often say things like, you know, heaven is just a place that the church created throughout the centuries to make themselves feel better when times get tough. That's how a lot of people think. But I would ask all of you this morning to consider what Jesus had to say and what others had to say about heaven. Let's first begin with Jesus. What did Jesus teach concerning heaven? Well, we just saw in Matthew 25 and verse number 46, he made it clear that it's a place where the righteous will be. And he described that the righteous will have eternal life. That's good news to me. But also notice what else he said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 1. In the Sermon on the Mount, and I think this is interesting, when Jesus was preaching, I want you to notice the language where Jesus makes it clear there is no mistaking that heaven is a real place. I'm not talking about a fictional place in Star Wars or Marvel or Lord of the Rings or anything like that. I'm talking about a place that is real. I want you to notice how Jesus speaks about heaven. Verse number one, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who is where? With your father who is in heaven. You see, Jesus reminded the audience that their heavenly father, he describes them in that way, resides or dwells in heaven. And verse number nine, he said, pray then in this way, our father who is in heaven, heaven, my friend, it is a real place in Matthew chapter six and verse number seven or verse number 14. He said, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly father, notice how he describes the father. Your heavenly Father. It is God who resides in heaven. He he dwells and lives in heaven. And Jesus is speaking of this place as being a place that is real. A place that exists. A place where God is. So he describes it as eternal in nature. A place where individuals, the righteous will go. Where the Father resides. Notice in John chapter 14, the context here begins in chapter 13 and goes through chapter 17 where Jesus was speaking to his apostles. And I want you to notice what he said in verse number 1 of John chapter 14. He said, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, where where did he just say God is? Where is the Father? He's in heaven, our, our heavenly Father. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. Don't you love that too? Jesus said, if this wasn't the case, I'll let you know. <laughs> but he's saying it is the case. And this is true. This is reality. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If I go, verse 3, and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's a promise. And receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. You see how Jesus spoke about heaven? He spoke about it as a real place because it is a real place. And if it wasn't, Jesus would tell us so. But what he is telling us 
is that heaven is real. And this is why so many people love this kind of sermon and why all of us should as well. Going back to Matthew chapter 5 and verses 11 and 12, the Beatitudes that our young people are, are memorizing and hopefully parents along the way. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12, again, notice what Jesus says about heaven. He's making it very clear. This is a real place. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, Jesus says that we have a reward awaiting us in heaven, a place that is real where the Father is. And there is a reward for us one day that Jesus said he would go back, he would go back to heaven to prepare a place for us. And so Jesus speaks about heaven as a real place because it is. And not only Jesus, but consider what the angels have to say. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11, after Jesus had ascended into heaven, or as he was ascending into heaven, he already mentioned to his apostles in John chapter 14 that he would be one day. Now here in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says, and after he had said these things, Luke writing, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And my understanding is that this is referring to angels. They also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And we know that he would go back into heaven, as he said in John 14, to prepare a place for us. So he went back and ascended back to heaven where the Father is. Heaven, my friend, it is a real place. Consider what Jesus taught, what the angels taught, and also what the Apostle Paul believed concerning heaven. I want you to notice in Philippians chapter 1. In Philippians chapter 1, Kevin's going to lead us through this study this week, Lord willing, in verses 12 through 30 in Philippians chapter 1. And in verse number 21, I want you to notice what Paul said here while he was in prison, by the way. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. There, these are marching orders for us. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose. Notice what Paul says here. But I am hard pressed from both directions. Having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Paul believed, number one, that Jesus existed and lived and was now in heaven. And he believed that he could be with Christ. Paul would not be making this up just for the sake of making it up. He believed in heaven as well. And he believed that that is where Christ is. I want to be with Christ. I have this great desire to be with him. But at the same time, I know that it's necessary for your sake that I remain here. I just want you to notice how Paul talks about this idea of being with Christ in heaven. In 2 Corinthians, from our study last quarter, in chapter 12, Paul, as he was trying to make a point to the Corinthians who had accepted false teachers and their boasting, Paul talked about, not for the sake of himself, personally boasting, 
but to show that there was really none of this that should have been taking place. He talked about something he experienced and being uh, having these visions and revelations of the Lord. And he would say this, I know a man in Christ talking about himself who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And the third heaven is talking about where the Father is, where Jesus is when he ascended back into heaven. He is in the third heavens, the place where God dwells. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. Paul experienced something that we were not going to be able to experience, but no doubt about it, he believed that heaven indeed is a place that is real. In Second Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talked about the suffering that he endured in chapter 4, and he talked about what was to come. And for right now, I just want you to consider Paul's mindset, what he understood, what remains and what would come after this earthly life. For we know, verse one, that if the earthly tent, which is our house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. He would talk more about heaven. And I want you to see right now that Paul believed that heaven is a real place. And I believe this is why so many people love this kind of sermon. And it's a reason for us to enjoy this kind of study because heaven, my friend, it is real. And if Jesus believes it to be real, if the angels believed it to be real, if the apostle Paul, who was once a persecutor of Jesus and was converted to, uh, to, the, to Christianity, believed it to be real, then we should as well. Heaven is real. And what a blessing for that. And why this sermon or this kind of sermon is so interesting and appealing to a lot of people. Because when you start thinking about heaven, heaven, it is an amazing place. It is an amazing place. And this is something for us to ponder and to meditate on as we go in our lives. Heaven is an amazing place. It will be such an amazing place, not because of what sometimes people say. We're not going to be fishing there every day or every day for the rest of eternity. And not because of the things that sometimes people kind of throw and say, well, this is what heaven's going to be like. Far better than that. Can I give you some examples of why heaven is going to be an amazing place? We already read it, but if you turn back there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 1, consider who is there in heaven. And this is why heaven is going to be an amazing place. And I'm using the word amazing, and I think that still comes up short, describing God and describing heaven and just how awesome it is going to be because we are going to be with our heavenly Father. Ponder that and think about that. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. We're talking about the God who created all things by speaking everything into existence. And when you think about the throne scene in Revelation chapter 4, where John saw this uh, vision 
in heaven in Revelation chapter 4, we are reminded about how awesome God truly is. After these things in Revelation 4 and verse 1, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne was standing in heaven, one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were 24 thrones and upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. And what we see in this throne scene vision that John had here, there are these living creatures worshiping God day and night. They do not cease to say in verse number eight, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the almighty who was and who is and who is to come. In verse 11, the Bible says, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. Why is heaven going to be amazing? Because we will be with the one who created all things. And because of your will, they existed. Why are we here? Because God willed it so, and it's because of his will that we exist and were created. That is the one. That we will be in the presence of. And that is what makes heaven so amazing and so uh, awesome to even consider and to think about. John would speak about this in 1 John chapter 3, talking about Jesus. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3. and 1 John chapter 3, and I want you to notice what he said in verse number 1, or beginning in verse number 1. I want to emphasize verse number 3 and 4. In 1 John chapter 3, why is heaven going to be so amazing? Notice what the apostle said here. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet, it has not appeared as yet what we will be. Now this is where it gets interesting. We know that when he appears, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Remember, that's what the angel said in Acts chapter 1. In verses 9, 10, 11, that when he appears, now consider this, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. I hope that excites you because one day we will see Jesus and we will be like him. And it's hard to even try to describe what that is going to be like, but there should be great anticipation And maybe that's why Paul in Philippians 3 talks about how we eagerly wait for our Savior. Because when he appears the second time, it is going to be an awesome day. And we will see him just as he is. And I'll just add this in verse number 3. Here is why we need to live the way we should live. Here is why we need to be holy. He says, and everyone who has this hope fixed on him, this is where our hope resides. This is where we put our our trust, purifies himself just as he is pure. What is my purpose? How should I live my life? Well, Paul, John says you live it and you follow in the footsteps of Jesus. You be holy and you live a life of purity. 
Because everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. That's why we live the life that we strive to live, of being pure and holy in all the things that we do. And we abstain from sin. It's going to be an awesome day when we will see him just as he is. That's why heaven will be so amazing. And I love the language that Paul used going back to Second Corinthians chapter 5. We didn't read all of the verses here, but I love the language where he talks about being absent and also being at home. We understand this idea of being at home or being absent or away from our family. And the fact that Paul describes or uses this language talking about Christ in heaven, I think is a powerful thought for all of us. Consider verses 6, 8, and 9. Paul said, therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. So while we're still in our bodies, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. There's so much to be said there. And this idea that one day we will truly be home with the Lord, that there will be nothing separating us, that we will be in the presence of God and with Christ. That's why heaven is going to be awesome. And I would encourage all of us here this morning to consider verse number nine. What is your ambition or what are your current ambitions? Remember what Paul talks about when he says, when he talks about ambitions, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing with or pleasing to him. That should be our motivation because heaven's on the other side. And, and heaven is going to be an amazing place because of our Father who's in heaven, because of the Son who is there, because we will be at home with the Lord, because there is an eternal way to glory far beyond all comparison of what we currently experience. As Paul talked about his suffering in chapter 4 and verse 16, he said, Therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed. Day by day for momentary light affliction is producing for us. And you think about affliction, think about Paul and his affliction. And yet he said this momentary light affliction. Think about that as you go through suffering. Think about that as you go through persecution. In the grand scheme of things, it is momentary. And there is something far better that awaits us one day. How should this land on us? Well, it should give us great hope, assurance, confidence. We don't lose heart. And Christians sometimes can lose heart. But Paul said, no, we don't lose heart, talking about himself. And we don't lose heart, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. We have something amazing to look forward to. While we look now to the things that are, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, maybe we need to adjust what we are putting our focus upon. Let's put our minds on things above and not on things below. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
And it is going to be an amazing place because what is awaiting for us is far better and far beyond anything that we have experienced here. And I love the fact that this this reward, this award that is awaiting us, it will not fade away. Look over in First Peter chapter 1. In First Peter chapter 1, I was talking to someone here recently and they shared with me that... Um, uh, this lady shared with me that her husband had received a uh, inheritance. Uh, someone in his family had passed away and left some uh, inheritance for him, and they were able to buy a new house, and it's a really nice house. And it's a great story, and I'm glad that they were able to have these resources. But as I think about homes, and we all understand this, these things are temporary. These things will fade away. Prices for homes now are decreasing, right? They were sky high not too long ago. But there is something for us that's, a, that's waiting for us that will never fade away. We don't have to worry about if it's going to remain. No, we can have great confidence of what is to come and this inheritance that awaits. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. What God has awaiting for us is salvation and the great blessings to come. We don't have to worry about if they're going to remain or only for a short period of time or while supplies last. No, this is reserved for us in heaven. They will not fade away. The promise of salvation and being with God forever What an awesome thing to consider. And that's why heaven is going to be so amazing. We have all these experiences in life. But after a while, they they kind of just fade away. We have something far better for us that will never fade away. And I love this thought that heaven, why it's going to be so amazing, because of the great joy. Joy that is hard for us to even comprehend, I think. When you consider what Peter said here, before we go to Psalm 16, since we're here, let's just stay here in First Peter chapter 1, where he talks about this inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice what he said in verse number 6. In this you greatly rejoice. Philippians is a book about rejoicing. And Peter also talks about rejoicing. We have reason to rejoice because of the salvation that we have. Because of what is reserved for us in heaven. And yes, we are going to go through difficult times. In fact, in verse number 6, he said, Even though now for a little while, and maybe we need to start looking at life in that perspective, it's only for a little while. But heaven is for eternity. Even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. This whole book is about various trials. But do you notice the joy that Peter speaks of? This is reason to rejoice. Something far greater than you can ever imagine. That will never fade away. And when you start thinking about being in the presence of God, in Psalm 16, which is also quoted in Acts chapter 2, 
talking about the resurrection of Christ. You know, there are some people that when you're in their presence, you want to get away from them as quickly as possible. Don't really seem to align well with them. But in the presence of God, there is only going to be joy. In Psalm 16 and verse number 11, he said, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And I think that also helps us to have even more insight about hell. Why hell will be so terrible. Because we will be away from the presence of God. Completely separated from the presence of God. And yet in heaven, we will be in his presence where there is fullness of joy. And yet in hell, in Second Thessalonians 1 and verse 9, he said, These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord. But heaven is going to be amazing because we will be in the presence of the Lord. There's fullness of joy. That's why heaven is going to be awesome. And it's going to be awesome because God is awesome. And that is where our Father lives. And it's going to be awesome because our bodies one day will be transformed. Kevin will tell us more about Philippians chapter 3 and verses 20 and 21. So I'll just read this for now. I want you to ponder this. Where Paul would say to these Christians in verse number 20, For our citizenship is in heaven. And what great language he used there. Philippi was a Roman colony. Citizenship was important at that time. But you know what? They were citizens of something far better. The kingdom of God. And we need to remember that as well. We're Americans and we have great freedoms, great privileges, great opportunities. But let us be clear that we do not just merely identify ourselves as being an American and our focus is only upon who we are in the USA. We're a part of something far greater. A kingdom that will never be destroyed. And a king that will never let us down. A king that has great rewards waiting for us one day. Our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for a savior. Have you fallen asleep on me? Hopefully not on this sermon on heaven. And I hope we don't fall asleep on God and Christ, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are we eagerly waiting? To eagerly wait means we have to have some kind of focus, some kind of intensity, a reminder. There is something coming after this. Our lives are not just working 40, 60, 80 hours a week. It's not just about the vacations or the perfect bodies. Or high school and college graduation. And our retirement funds. Or the football fields. There is something far greater coming. When the clouds will be torn up one day and the trumpet will sound. And the one who has already appeared once will appear a second time for his people. For his church. And that is what we are to eagerly wait for. 
a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. Think on that for a little bit. We will be transformed into the body of his glory. And John said in 1 John chapter 3, we will be like him by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. This is why heaven is going to be amazing. Because we will be in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I might add. An inheritance that will never fade away. Bodies will be transformed. Fullness of joy. What an amazing time that will be. And you know why this sermon is something that a lot of people want to hear? And hopefully all of us love hearing this this morning. Because here's the reality. You and I, we can go there. Heaven is a place for all of us. It's a place that we can actually go and, 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 and be there one day. But I wonder sometimes, you ever struggle with this idea? Can I really go to heaven? Is Jesus really ever going to return? Brothers and sisters, the answer to that is yes. All of us. We can go to heaven if we so choose to. Just like there will be many who will choose to spend eternity in hell, we can make the choice to be with our Father in heaven. Now, let me be very clear. It's not because of who I am or who you are. It's not because of the things that we do. We will be there only by the grace of God. We are saved by God's grace according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. And we certainly do not deserve to be in heaven. I think all of us could say amen to that. But our God is so good, rich in mercy, that while we are still yet sinners, lost in our sins, enemies of Christ, he sent his son. And heaven is going to be for those who obey the gospel. Is that you? When we start to have these these questions and doubts about whether or not we can go to heaven, just consider a couple of things. We know in Colossians chapter 1, turn over there, where Paul talked about heaven. And he reminded the saints there in Colossians chapter 1, he said, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you. You see, they heard about heaven and the gospel and being saved from their sins. And we know that they were because in Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 11, Paul said, and in him, talking about Jesus, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism. You see, when one is buried in baptism, it is God who is at work. It is God who is removing our sins in which you were also raised up with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Make no mistake about it. Heaven is a place for those who obey the gospel. And you and I can go to heaven. A question we need to ask ourselves is, have we obeyed the gospel? If we have not obeyed the gospel, then we are still lost in our sins. But this is a place that you and I can go to. 
And heaven is going to be a place for those who, for those who follow and abide with Christ. We turn over to John chapter 10. Jesus, as he talked about being the, the door and being the good shepherd. In John chapter 10, he would remind his listeners and he reminds us in verse number 27 and 28, the confidence that we should have about being with him one day in heaven. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give eternal life to them and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Jesus is the source of eternal life. And heaven is going to be for those who follow and abide with Christ. So let me ask you this question. Number one, have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Number two, are you listening to your shepherd, hearing his voice, submitting to his will? It is for those who follow and abide with Jesus. And number three, consider this. Heaven is a place for those it's a place for those who remain faithful and endure. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, the Hebrew, the Hebrew Christians were having some great difficulty with persecution. And we've already seen other chapters and books that emphasize persecution and what is to come. The Hebrew writer would say in verse 34, For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and lasting one. Notice where he puts the emphasis. The things that we have in this world will perish. Do not lay up treasures on earth or rust. And other things can cause them to decay. But lay up your treasures in heaven. He said you have a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Our God has so many rewards waiting for us. But we can't throw away our confidence, our hope in Christ. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. That should bring us great comfort. You see, he's promised us great blessings. And our responsibility is to trust him in these words that he has given us, these promises that he has given us, and to remain faithful with him. Don't throw away your confidence. Even when death hits and persecution and disappointment, even from your brothers and sisters in Christ, don't throw away your confidence. Those who obey the gospel, those who hear and follow the voice of the shepherd, those who remain faithful and endure, heaven, my friend, will be your home and can be your home one day. And I love the fact that Paul spoke with great confidence. We've already read Philippians chapter 1. He said, look, I I got a tough decision here. I'm I'm hard-pressed. On the one hand, I want to be with Christ. I see and I hear confidence when Paul says, I have a desire to be with him. And I also see this when I look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, when Paul was near death. And I pray that this is the mindset that I will have and that you will have when you face the shadows of death. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 6, he said, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. Some brothers and sisters at West Main may experience this this year. And the reality is all of us could. It could be today. But notice the language and confidence that Paul had, not in himself. He's not being arrogant or boasting or anything like that. He said, I am nothing in 2 Corinthians. 
It's only by the grace of God. I am what I am. First Corinthians 15. Notice his confidence. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. What great things to say at somebody's funeral one day. But why can't people say that for us? Well, they can. That we were faithful to God. And that we have finished our course. And that we have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me, notice his confidence, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. It didn't seem like Paul had a lot of doubt. Now, I'm not saying that sometimes people will say, well, he was caught up into the third heaven. I mean, come on. And he was an apostle and he was inspired. However, he also knew in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 24 through 27 that he was in a race. He had his own race. And you and I have our own race. And Paul would say, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I notice what Paul is saying about himself. I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave. That's what all of us must do so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So he knew he could be disqualified, but he wasn't because he ran his race. Finish your race. Don't throw away your confidence. Remain with Christ. And heaven will be your home. And I love what he said at the end of verse number 8. Will you go back there with me in Second Timothy? He said, in the future there's a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. But notice what he said in the rest of the verse. And not only to me. It's not just for the Apostle Paul. So we can take that out of the equation. Only people like the Apostles could ever go to heaven. No, he says, no, not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Do you love the Lord? Have you obeyed his gospel? Are you remaining faithful with him? Are you listening to his voice? And submitting to his will. Heaven will be our home one day. What an awesome thought that is. And maybe this is why so many people love to hear a sermon like this. Whether that's the case or not. I know this is why we should consider a sermon like this. Death is not the end. Heaven's on the other side. And what great blessing it is brothers and sisters in christ to know that we can be with our heavenly father one day i appreciate your attention we're going to sing a song here in just a moment as we wrap up here i do want to encourage all of us to consider the race that we currently are running are we running the race and being disciplined and trusting in god and listening to who and to what our father desires for us to do If we haven't or if we're not, then we need to make some corrections and we need to do it right now because heaven's on the other side and so is hell. 
And we get to choose which path we're going to take. Now, when you hear a sermon about heaven, there are a lot of other things that are often said. All roads lead to heaven. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches. And I would just ask everyone here, those who are watching and visitors, and even for us, if we believe Jesus and what he says about heaven, should we not also believe what he says about salvation and how to be saved? Jesus said that we must repent of our sins or we all will perish according to Luke 13. And Jesus would say in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15 and 16, as he went out with his disciples before he descended or ascended into heaven, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. If we believe what Jesus says about the resurrection, about heaven, about hell, should we not also believe what he has to say about how we can be delivered and redeemed from our sins? We know the answer to be, we know what the answer of that is. Do you believe and will you believe Jesus to be the son of God and risen from the dead? And will you be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? If so, you can have great confidence as you put on Christ in baptism that you will be with him one day in heaven. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog where you can find hundreds of encouraging, motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on Amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do, and so can you. Take care, and God bless.